Hello and welcome to the Fellowship Podcast by CMF International. I'm your host, Jake Moore, and I am joined today on this special episode uh, of the Fellowship Podcast by my dear friend, uh, Mr. David Giles, the director of Church Catalyst. David, welcome to the Fellowship Podcast. Hey, thanks, Jake. Uh, appreciate the opportunity to be here, and I've also appreciated the other uh, podcasts that we've had, and just it's good to uh, get the information and also to learn more about the CMF family. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it's been fun to record them and to think through all the myriad of ways in which God is working through our organization and the lives of our our missionaries. Uh, it's really been a, a fun thing to be a part of. So I appreciate that, man. And I'm excited today because this particular episode, we're, we're doing something different. Maybe at some point we'll get to hear more on your personal story on your ministry with CMF as a missionary in Kenya, but we want to focus in on kind of a tactical uh, conversation for our missionaries, thinking about the spiritual disciplines and spiritual formation uh, while on the field. So this fits more within our pastoral care series, where we want to give some tools and some resources to our missionaries and to those folks out in the 26 different countries where they are serving, um, and to figure out ways that they can feed and nourish them themselves spiritually on this journey uh, of doing ministry. And so I, I appreciate you wanting to jump in and tackle this this opportunity, this issue uh, with me. Uh, it's really fun. And the main reason I I wanted to talk to you about this is because I have seen you as a spiritual disciplines guru in my life uh, and in within CMF uh, for a long time. So it, it's fun for me to think about us having this conversation today because of what I've seen in you and pattern in you. Yeah, it definitely is a key aspect of mission work, particularly being out sometimes isolated, different language context uh, and the cultural context and you know, being able to feed ourselves spiritually. Um, I don't know about being a guru. I'm the, on the journey with everybody else mm-hmm. and learning as I go. That's for sure. You're just okay. So you're then you're just a few steps in front of us. Which <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, I, what I say is, if there's a mistake out there, I've probably made it, and mm-hmm. hopefully, I've learned from it. Yeah, yeah. So you you've got the uh, direction uh, cones. You're guiding us in the right direction because you <laughs> took the wrong turn, right? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, well, let's talk then for just a minute about your journey with CMF, your journey in ministry. Uh, you are currently the director of Church Catalyst, but fill us in a little bit on the many, many years before that of how you got connected up with CMF and what your role was with with the organization. Yeah, well, mine started uh, a long time ago. I think they were still writing on stone tablets at that time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, my parents, um, a preacher came through, raising support to go to Ethiopia and challenged them to go. and. So uh, I first uh, went to the mission field eight years old. Wow. And um, of course, that was before the days when they really sat down and talked to kids. You know, little Davy, what do you think about going? We just, boom, next thing I know, I was in Ethiopia. But what an incredible experience to be a part of a pioneer work and to see what God's done. Mm. Uh, so uh, we stayed in Ethiopia through the communist revolution, had to leave, um, came back and then uh, school, uh, married my wife, uh, Linda. And then we went and served in Kenya for mm-hmm. eight years in church planning and evangelism. And what and people group were, were you with in Kenya? The Maasai, mm-hmm. um, uh, learning the language, living out in the community. Uh, again, part of kind of a, an early pioneer effort there. And what a credi- incredible opportunity 
to learn. It was a very mm. uh, big learning experience, you know, about God and the world and the Maasai and, and the word kind of comes alive when you're engaging in a different cultural context, but also to contribute and again, to see, you know, when I thought some days I thought, man, is anything ever going to happen? Uh, and then look, now there's 300 churches all over Kenya and you go, oh my goodness, it's a good thing God was at work. Yeah. I sure didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, good thing he was driving the, the truck forward when it came to the ministry, not you. Huh? Yeah. Amen to that. <laughs> so then from there, so you did eight years with the Maasai in Kenya and then you transitioned back to the United States. And what was, what's been your role with CMF uh, since then? Yeah, I actually started out associate recruitment doing the REACH program. And uh, I tell you, that was a lot of fun just seeing the REACH interns come and go through that and how it shaped them. Mm -hmm. And I tell you what I love now is looking on the different CMF fields and see the number of folks serving in some capacity that were REACH interns back mm -hmm. in the day. Mm -hmm. Then I moved into director of mobilization. Of course, I'm not as awesome as you are, Jake. <laughs> oh, you like I don't know dude. about that, man. Um, but again, it's just privileged to see what God was doing through that time and uh, then made the transition to uh, and who was initially called director of church planting, now director of church catalyst mm -hmm. and oversee the work in 10 or 12 fields that CMF has. Uh, now Greg Coley's come on an associate and he's helping out with some of those fields, but uh, it's just an incredible privilege to work along some uh, alongside some fantastic folks. Yeah. And again, just see what God's doing. Yeah. We've through got CMF some, through our folks. We've got some phenomenal missionaries out there, ministers of the gospel, uh, doing work that, uh, I don't think their supporters even have a full grasp of what these people are doing and what they're mm -hmm. stepping out and accomplishing every day uh, for the kingdom of mm -hmm. God. So uh, I, I agree. It's a privilege to be a part of um, and, and, and exciting too. Uh, has its hard days uh, for sure, but it's exciting to be a part of. So you grew up as a TCK in Ethiopia, being around the missions community. You served as a missionary in Kenya and then as a staff member, mobilizing folks and then actually being in a very kind of pastoral directive role for missionaries. You've run the full gamut uh, of the system and, and had the opportunity to see what ministry looks like, uh, have walked through the challenges of, of ministry, and then also having to encourage uh, folks along the path. And so I, I feel like you are really uniquely positioned to help us talk through and explore this idea of spiritual formation on the field as ministers of the gospel, uh, on the mission field, uh, whatever context you are coming from and going to. Uh, you, you've you've got a unique uh, in uh, on this idea. And so I'd love to, as, as we're thinking about spiritual disciplines and spiritual formation, I'd love to know a little bit about what were your rhythms for life and ministry in Kenya? Because I think mm -hmm. that will feed into this idea mm -hmm. of how, do, how did you fit in the spiritual disciplines? What did, what did it look like for you on a, on a daily, on a weekly, on a monthly, maybe mm -hmm. even a quarterly uh, from, from that standpoint? Yeah, that's that's a really good question. Um, yeah, I was one that, you know, my, of course, my parents example, you know, them, you know, the importance of being in the word regularly and all that. Um, but I think the rhythms, uh, I don't know if you say I learned the hard way, but, um, you know, we were out in a rural community. There were 10 teaching points I was working with, churches, teaching points, um, overseeing three medical clinics and 
you know, everything we did was in Maasai, the teaching, the worship, mm -hmm. and um, it's kind of easy to get dried up, you know, and, uh, and so I, I remember distinctly getting to a point where um, I was reading a book by J. Oswald Sanders on spiritual leadership, and I thought, mm -hmm. man, I, I don't have anything to offer. And I remember going and reflecting and praying, and it was like God said, you know, David, you can't lead where you've never been. And if, mm. if you're going to be leading others, then you just got to be attentive. You really got to be connected. And I already had a, always had a quiet time, but I knew some things really needed to change and shift. And, and later on in the podcast, we'll be sharing just some of those lessons that came. Yeah. Um, but in terms of, uh, of rhythms, uh, uh, I, I learned this little ditty later on, but it's something you can apply is, is learning how to disengage daily. Hmm. Um, and that's really hard to do, particularly like in, you know, in Yomp, you know, yeah. how do you disengage yeah. when you're living in a community, but right. finding some way to try to disengage. And then the, the walk away weekly. Um, it seems like we think that Sabbath is the only sin we can commit and get away with it, you know, and even yeah. taunt it. Like, hey, look, <laughs> you know, look how busy I am. Yeah, yeah. You're really practicing a Sabbath. And I think practicing a Sabbath within the context in which you live is really important, mm. you know, to not have to get away. And see, sometimes being a little bit creative, how can we get away with family? How can I get away and reflect and rest, but not mm -hmm. totally disconnecting from the context? And then yeah. another one's abandoned annually is, is to put in there, but make sure you're planning time away, mm -hmm. you know, vacation mm -hmm. and get to reflect. Mm -hmm. And this for one you, doesn't for have you, a, For like vacation for you was sure going and having fun or getting away from that particular context, but it was also spiritually nourishing for you. Yeah, and, and it could be something as simple as um, uh, getting together with teammates that I really resonated with um, mm -hmm. and uh, or, or going on vacation with um, someone that really connected well with. And then spiritual conversations are always a part of that. Uh, and something that eventually got built into the rhythm of our team is that um, we were, were on a large team, but we divided it up into smaller groups. Doesn't sound good. We call them WAP groups, worship, <laughs> accountability, and praise. And so we would gather on a six to eight week basis. See, we lived, you know, we were two hours away from our nearest teammate. So mm -hmm. our daily life was just intertwined with the Maasai. And, and I don't want to downplay that. I've had some incredible learning opportunities with Maasai brothers and sisters incredible discussion. So it wasn't like there was no spiritual nourishment in, in contact with them. It's just sometimes I needed that same culture, same language mm -hmm. connection. Yeah, I understand that. So getting together to worship uh, for uh, ministry and personal accountability um, and praise uh, was really good. And then our team, uh, we had two team meetings a year. It wasn't, mm -hmm. you, know, no, you know, we had just two meetings a year where we all got together. Right. And one of those uh, usually had a really strong spiritual retreat um, mm -hmm. component to it. Man, I love that. So you got, so let's just run through that again. You had daily uh, learning how to daily disengage. You did then the weekly practice of Sabbath. You talked then about then the kind of abandoning, <laughs> the abandonment aspect of going on vacation uh, mm -hmm. and building that, being intentional about building that into the rhythm of your year. But then also within those points, almost kind of like in the quarterly aspect, you had your, your 
WAP group and your team meetings. So it kind of fit mm -hmm. in at yeah. different points, uh, kind of as touchstones throughout the year, it sounds like. And WAP again st stands for what? Worship, accountability, and praise. And praise. I like that. Yeah, it's not it's not doo-wop group. You guys weren't getting together and singing. Uh, well, songs. we would sing, but I'm I'm not a good yeah. I'm not a good singer for sure. <laughs> and, and I think a couple words. I don't know if you mentioned these, Jake, but but a couple of key words are rhythm and integrate. And yeah, there were the times of withdrawing, but sometimes we you know we say we're holistic, mm -hmm. but we have a very dualistic approach to mm -hmm. life and work and integration. I like the way Oswald Chambers said, we should always be at rest and always at work. Mm. And so when we separate those out, it's like, I got to get away to do spiritual. And there's times to get away to get spiritually nourished. Mm -hmm. But how are we attentive to God right here, right now, and finding nourishment and rest in doing his work and being mm -hmm. connected to him? And so inter integration and rhythm is very important, but also finding those times like Jesus did of, of Sabbath and getting away. Yeah and reflecting and meditating. Well, I think that definitely touches on this quote I came across just recently. I'm reading through this book called The Calm Rule. Uh, it's by a guy named Justin Whitmore Early, I think is how you say his name. Uh, Justin Early, uh, The Common Rule. And he said in this quote, uh, I decided limits were a better way of life and that's when everything changed. I had lived my whole life thinking that all limits ruin freedom when all along it's been the opposite. The right limits or maybe even the right rhythms create freedom. And so I, I think in thinking about the spiritual disciplines, maybe as a frame that we build around our life, mm -hmm. it actually gives us freedom within that frame to live in a certain way or to thrive uh, and really touches on what you're saying of that 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 good balance. I know some ministers don't like that word of balance, but that mm -hmm. balance between rest and ministry, rest and work provides us with an actual level of freedom uh, that we don't experience if we don't create those boundaries yeah. uh, mm -hmm. for ourselves. It, yeah, I was just yeah. wondering, like, mm -hmm. yeah, what do you think about that? Is that, would mm -hmm. that, that kind of resonate with, with what you're saying? Yeah, I think so. Sometimes we look at disciplines as negative and restrictive, mm -hmm. but they really are empowering and freeing. And, mm -hmm. and where God leads us is a spacious place. It's not mm -hmm. a restrictive. And it reminded me of an experiment they did with the playground. They had a playground with a fence around it, and they found that the kids played in every bit of that playground. Mm -hmm. uh, but then they took the fence down, and they found that the kids all congregated, and there was a road around the playground. Mm -hmm. But they, they removed the fence and, and the kids would move closer to the building. Mm. And so I think the disciplines provide that 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 guardrail mm -hmm. of sorts. Mm -hmm. And then we find that it's a spacious place. And I also think about the proverb, like a city without walls is a man who lacks self-control or a person who lacks self-control. Mm -hmm. And that's self-discipline. If we are disciplined, uh, th then we have appropriate boundaries and parameters, but then we know we can live and act freely. Mm -hmm. within those. I mean, a little bit of a dangerous quote from Richard Rohr as yeah. we have to know the rules well in order to break them well. And <laughs> I don't think he means learn the rules and break them like crazy. Right. But, but I think what he's getting at is there's, there's, a, there's a beauty to discipline. It gives us a foundation. Mm -hmm. It gives mm -hmm. us limits. Mm -hmm. And we find that God, that's a spacious place 
and then we can just learn to roam freely within it without worrying yeah. Uh, yeah. so much. Yeah, it doesn't ruin yeah. like that quote I said. It doesn't ruin freedom. It actually creates more freedom, more boundaries. Uh, and and I, I I've come across this quote multiple times from another podcaster author, uh, Jocko Willink. He says discipline equals freedom. Um, but what's funny to me about that is decades and decades before him, a man of faith, Elton Trueblood, uh, you know, a prolific author and speaker, he was actually the first one to say that. He said, discipline mm -hmm. is the price of freedom. Um, mm -hmm. And so I think it really touches on what you're, you're talking about there, that like the boundaries of the playground, you have a freedom to play the full expanse of your ministry context if you can build into your daily rhythm and your weekly rhythm and your annual rhythm these mm -hmm. disciplines it provides you with a level of freedom that maybe you wouldn't experience if you just kind of avoid them altogether yeah um and and you know discipline again it, it really is not a bad word it, it's uh it, it's a good word um and I, you know like paul said he didn't say try to be godly he said train to be godly and there's a difference mm -hmm. between trying I mean, let's say I want to go run a marathon. I can say, I'm going to go try to run that marathon. But if I don't train, I'm toast. Right. And and what do we do in, in our spiritual walk? We just says, when that time comes, I'm going to try harder. Mm -hmm. Now, the time to to prepare us now is to train, to train ourselves to be godly. And and I don't want to sound uh, too, too alarmist, but really, Jake, when, when you look around us in the society that we live in, mm -hmm. We live in a very consumer-based, instant gratification, uh, rampant relativism, and uh, rugged individualism and all mm -hmm. that. And mm -hmm. so uh, how, how do we then have the discipline that, that, bring, that, that makes God's voice the number one voice and not yeah. the voice of everything that's clamoring around mm -hmm. us? And so it does take discipline to kind of back out of that and set aside times where we're really straining to be attentive to what God is is uh, saying about who we are and about what he's called us to do. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I, you know, I, it really touches even on that uh, example that Jesus mentions in John uh, 10 as the shepherd and the sheep, that the sheep hear my voice and know it. Uh, yeah. And that I call their name. If you are filling your life with a myriad of other voices and not taking time to disengage and connect with that one voice, mm -hmm. you forget that he has a name for you, that he has a place for you, and that he's called you to be a part of what he's doing uh, in the world around you. So I, I love that that idea, and I think it really is highlighted in what Jesus was trying to get at when he talks about his his followers. So, okay, I, I love. I, I'm actually very envious uh, of the ways that you guys, as a team in Kenya, were able to do. Uh, build in those those rhythms uh, for your life and your ministry. Uh, I wish that our team in Ethiopia, I got to serve in Ethiopia, you know, for 11 years. And I wish that we had been maybe a little bit more intentional about even as a team uh, building in WAP groups and everything else. I think that, that sounds pretty powerful. No, we did those, but it just doesn't maybe wasn't as formalized uh, as what you guys uh, did in, in Kenya at that time. But so thinking about those rhythms, then let's get into the nuts and bolts, kind of the tactical aspect then of 
what it means to implement the spiritual disciplines, or even what do we mean by spiritual disciplines uh, might be a good way to, to move on uh, from there. So what, what, what would you say is the spiritual discipline? We've talked about the good of those disciplines, the boundaries they provide for us, yeah. the, the freedom that we find in, but what are the spiritual disciplines? And then from there, how can we then implement those or what, what would be things that you would suggest we implement for spiritual formation for our missionaries? So it's a twofold question. Yeah. Well, when you actually look at what are spiritual disciplines, there's a lot, uh, mm -hmm. spiritual discipline of, uh, uh, fasting, spiritual discipline of just slowing, mm -hmm. uh, spiritual discipline of silence. I mean, if you go through, there's a whole, there's a whole bunch of, them. uh, but generally, generally when we talk about it in, um, in terms of you know what what is a spiritual discipline that can really help us uh, stay connected you know to God and His presence you know it has to do with uh, 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 deliberate and regular times in God's Word mm -hmm. and um, and and through prayer. Mm -hmm. um, so, so you would say that the spiritual disciplines themselves are like kind of a, a, def a definition of what they are is that way it's it is an intentional way to integrate connection with god throughout the day throughout the week throughout the month throughout the year like that would be kind of a nutshell way of saying what the spiritual disciplines are mm -hmm. yeah yeah I, I think so and there and there's a variety of them and i think at the core of spiritual discipline is to get the focus up on me and on god we tend to make mm -hmm. spiritual distance about us yeah you know about oh you know, it's about my holiness and I've got a strain and, <laughs> and I've got, you know, but spiritual disciplines are all about God. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and it's about shifting us from a me and my needs centered spirituality to a God and his purpose mm -hmm. spirituality. And one thing is interesting is journaling is a big part of my spiritual discipline. I might yeah. share a little bit about that later. Uh, but when I read through my journals, I, I never read through and go, Oh, what a spiritual giant I was. I go, <laughs> Oh man, I, Still, I've never figured it out. I still haven't figured it out. I'm still struggling with the same stuff. But constantly I'm reminded of the goodness of God and his mm -hmm. faithfulness in accomplishing his purpose, mm -hmm. his faithfulness of being there, and, and his faithfulness of accomplishing his purpose, even through an imperfect person. And that's really mm -hmm. what, the, what I think we see in the New Testament characters. There's no perfect people in the Bible, but a perfect yeah. God who accomplishes his purpose. But mm -hmm. But journaling reminds me of that. I get to process through what I'm experiencing and, and uh, you know, what am I learning? What do I need to learn? Mm -hmm. But then when I reflect back on it, it's just a reminder that it's really all about God. And yeah. He's doing his stuff and he does yeah. it well. And also how much he delights in us. Yeah. Um, yeah. And like, oh, yeah, David, I, I know you're not perfect. Guess what? I know you'll never will be. <laughs> Guess what? I love you and I'm going to work through you. Uh, and probably most often when you don't know it, so don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah, it's it's extremely humbling to think about for sure. And I love that that re the dis spiritual disciplines kind of hit that reset uh, for us uh, every day or every week if you can implement them uh, even that frequently. So then, okay, let's let's then talk about a, a few of the spiritual disciplines. Maybe in in reflection on your ministry in Kenya, or even the missionaries that you work with, um, what have been some spiritual disciplines that you have observed that have been instrumental for spiritual formation for our ministers of the gospel in various contexts, either for yourself or for them? I'd love to maybe talk through a few key ones. You've mentioned them, uh, you know, scripture reading, journaling. That, but let's let's flesh those out a little bit more. 
Yeah, uh, journaling, journaling is, is kind of a part of what I would call, I mean, daily devotion, daily quiet, whatever you want to call it. You know, sometimes people kind of poo-poo the over daily quiet time thing. But I would just say your, your deliberate and intentional time when you're centering, you're focusing, when you're engaged in God's word. Um, but um, I think before even talking about specific spiritual mm-hmm. disciplines, the way we go about them is much more important really than what we do. Okay. Um, yeah. And, and I think a key is, is our, as an attitude of surrender. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, I heard one guy say it this way. He said, you know, when you, when you're a kid, you'd go out and play cops and robbers, you would corner someone, you, you know, you would point your finger at them and go, mm-hmm. come out with what your hands up, come out mm-hmm. and surrender. He said, the problem is in, in the church and in ministry, we have people that have never come out with their hands up. Mm-hmm. that are truly surrendering to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. So the way we go about, um, the way we approach this, um, yeah. you know, it's not spiritual showmanship. You know, I hear some people talk about, you know, and they would say, well, I fast here. I pray this by the time. Mm-hmm. And, and it becomes a show and tell where can I outdo you with my, you know, the spiritual things that yeah. I do. Yeah. Um, and then also thinking about the goal. Um, mm-hmm. Like the goal is it to have devotions, it's to have a devoted life. A, a goal is it to have prayer. A goal is to le- live a life of prayer where you're you're always attentive. The goal isn't mm-hmm. to get through the scriptures, it's to get the scriptures through me. And I think mm-hmm. that happens in a daily deliberate time in the presence of God and also in how we approach it. Another thing that was helpful to me, you know, of course, most of the stuff I learned from other people, you know, mm. um, is approach that time as a listener, not as a reader. Because when we're reading, we're in charge. It's impersonal. But if we approach that time just with awareness that God's present, his word is living and active, and I am attentively listening, sometimes listening as if my life depended on it. Mm. Um, then, you know, you know, and, and, and we learn, you know, uh, the Holy Spirit is, is the primary teacher. Jesus said, I'm going to go away. The teacher is going to come and he's going to lead you into all truth. And so it gives us that time for us to be quiet and to listen to God and let the Holy Spirit teach us and, and, and lead us through that process of learning mm-hmm. um, who God is and who we are as his beloved creation. Man, I love I love that i love the the way that you're challenging us to uh, yeah to, to guard ourselves against the showmanship aspect of especially for north americans it can become competitive uh quite quickly uh, or be all about ourselves or uh, just be about consuming yet another thing in our life uh, and instead trying to place ourselves in a position in which we are built up and poured into uh, and surrender ourselves to yeah yet again not not being the focus uh, i think is very important i appreciate those points yeah um and i think another mistake we make in in ministry as ministers of the gospel is we think well i'm i'm, I'm doing lesson preparation all the time mm-hmm. so i don't i don't need to have another and we always think in terms of oh, oh, oh this is a good verse for so and so this is a good scripture for so and so but but i think of the spiritual disciplines uh that's for our own soul that's for god to speak to us and, and I think if we give proper attention to that, 
then we minister from the overflow, not from, you know, I got to come up with something. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other thing is um, Jesus sends us out as ambassadors, as messengers, and the messenger embodies the message. I think a lot of times we become more like spiritual mediums. We take the message and we hand it to someone else and it never passes through us to mm-hmm. where I'm embodying it and trying to live it. And so that when I communicate it, it's not just words that I speak, it's a life that I live. And so I think that's, that's really key when it comes to uh, spiritual disciplines. You mentioned journaling. What does that look like for you? Um, maybe that'd be a good starting place. Cause uh, I, I don't know if you're much like me, but I have, journaled for quite some time uh, in my life over the last at least 20 years of ministry, but I have been guilty of journaling copious amounts of information, thoughts, and prayers. And then because it's like, I, I is like data dump. I put way too much time and effort into the journaling and then I don't get back to it for a couple of weeks. And it doesn't become a daily practice for me. It mm-hmm. becomes more like a monthly practice of trying to get everything that I thought felt uh, and prayed kind of out. Um, and in the end, that has been discouraging to me from k- making it a daily practice because I feel like, mm-hmm. oh, I, I'm putting too much time into this. I, I don't have time for every other aspect of my own devotional life or even just life and work because I want to journal uh, so much. So maybe let's, let's start there. How does journaling work for you? Yeah, yeah. That um, I, one one Christian leader, you know, said, "Man, I, I want to interview a lot of people that I consider to be spiritual giants, mm-hmm. and, and just see what what is the spiritual practice that they do." And and his his what he found out was all of them journaled. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, and there's two aspects to journaling that I've I've found very helpful. In fact, I have one of these um, just a very simple notebook. And from front to back, I, I will I will write just what happened that day. What am I? What what are the events that have happened? Maybe prayers, you know, things like that. And, and it's not extensive. It, um, but then uh, back to front, uh, I take notes on the scriptures that I'm reading uh, for that day. And and I'd like to unpack that a little bit more here in a minute because I think this is one of the things that could be the most transformational. And so as I go back and review. Um, I can see, okay, what was going on in my life at that time and, and what was God saying to me through my, uh, mm-hmm. my quiet time. And really, honestly, Jake, a lot of times when I teach on a particular passage, I'll go see what I've journaled on that. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I'm, I'm a mess. And I can't believe what God was saying to me. <laughs> Too bad I, I don't apply it well enough. But, um, and so, um, you know, journaling is, mm-hmm. is, is key. Um, so for you then when you journal though, it, it, like to me, it sounds, it's super intimidating in, in some ways to think about journaling, because like I said, I put, when I journal, I maybe put too much time into it. If that, if that even makes sense, but because I start, it's like once the pen starts going, I kind of can't let up. Um, mm-hmm. but I had heard your, your parents, prior to us going to the mission field, uh, they did a presentation that I was at on uh, their service in Ethiopia, and they talked about a page a day. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so they, they, talk, they said that they intentionally would just write one page in their journal trying to gather their thoughts or a prayer 
Uh, and then that was it. And what was fascinating about the presentation, it was a page a day from their entire ministry. So they did like six pages each, re just reading the account of that day, whether it was in 1972 or 1992. Uh, and it was a really a fascinating account of their ministry, of where they were in their walk with God. But then it was also like a one part challenge of like, hey, you should be journaling too. And Maybe bring it down to one page uh, a day. Is that what you do? Uh, like, yeah. So how do you keep it from becoming this massive, long tome uh, experience every day uh, when you're journaling? Yeah. Sometimes in the journal, it's it's very brief. Sometimes it's um, uh, but then other times it's it's more extensive. It depends on you know what I'm really trying to process um, and, and think through, and, and somehow somehow writing it out can sometimes be cathartic. Mm -hmm. um, but the other thing about writing it out, um, if I go back and read through and I see several times when I've written, I'm, I'm, I'm you know, having these thoughts. I'm having, as I go, why is that? Um, if this is a repeated thing in your life, David, uh, you, you really need to, to, to enter into serious thought, reflection mm -hmm. and prayer about mm -hmm. that so that mm -hmm. that so that more transformation can occur because the the end goal um you know our disciplines and our and our end of themselves it's a means to an end that we be transformed more and more into the likeness of christ mm -hmm. um so another aspect of journaling and i'll just unpack that a little bit i think as you as you're engaging in the word you know it's easy just to read a passage and move on right uh, but what i found is most powerful is first do your own thinking uh, mm -hmm. it's, it's more like inductive. I mean, there's a time to look at commentaries, but do your own thinking. So get smaller pass passages, do your own thinking. And I've found doing something, thinking through the end of a pencil to be transformative. Like sometimes mm -hmm. I read a passage and I'm looking at it, reflecting on it. I think, oh, you know, there's, there's really nothing there. And then I start writing and then I start writing. I'll give you an example, Jake. One time I, I read about Ananias and Sapphira, you know, and I'm thinking, yeah. What a couple of dweebs, you know, I'm going to write about them and I say, you know, what yeah. losers, you know, yeah, <laughs> wait a minute here. Um, what was the deal? Well, they lied to the Holy Spirit and still I was feeling pretty smug, you know, mm -hmm. you know, I, I wasn't like that. I didn't lie to the Holy Spirit, you know, and mm -hmm. you know, they saw Barnabas getting all these kudos for selling his property, giving all the money so that we'll sell property and get part of it. But then as I started writing, I started thinking, why? Did they lie to the Holy Spirit? They lied to the Holy Spirit because they wanted to look better than they really were. They were mm -hmm. trying to, you know, keep part of it to themselves and said they, and then it was just like the Holy Spirit just all the way to my heart. David, you know, you do this all the time. Mm -hmm. You know, you always want to want to look just a little bit better than you know you really are in your heart. But that happened through the process of thinking through the end of the pencil. And so Journal, journaling those scriptural thoughts like that can be helpful. Yeah, now, separate powerful. from this that I also found really helpful, Jake, in terms of journaling, and this is a, another topic, is I kept a separate work journal. Mm -hmm. Okay. But that's one that I carried with me. Mm -hmm. So let's say I was going to teach at one of the places. Uh, um, I would take notes of who was there, what I taught, what their response was. And then, uh, and then in the back of it, I would keep, you know, I, I could, at a glance, I could tell what I had done on different days. And part of the reason I did that is for a record. Yeah. But part of it was uh, uh, missionaries, as you know, um, 
it, particularly if you're in a rural context, you don't have somebody looking over your shoulder all the mm -hmm. time. Yeah, and I heard uh, some of my some missionaries talk about how busy they were, how engaged they were, what all they're doing, and and I thought I don't I don't see it. Mm -hmm. To be honest, I don't see it. And I thought, well, if they can have that perspective about, and I don't see it, I could also fool myself and think that I'm actually, yeah, uh, more diligent than I really am. So it was it was actually a discipline of saying mm -hmm. I want to be able to reflect accurately on mm -hmm. where am I going. What am I teaching? How diligent am I at that? Yeah. Know, am I doing what I say I'm doing? So it became a personal yeah. accountability. So that, if anyone ever was, asked, it wasn't that I did better. It's just I could say, well, here it is. Yeah. That was something you shared with me you know, 20 years ago before I started my ministry in Ethiopia. And I took with me to the field going into my first term. And also your former teammate and friend and mentor, of mine, uh, Tim Ross, uh, did something very similar. And so the two of you setting that example, uh, from a spiritual s s aspect, as well as a ministerial aspect, uh, really was something that I took with me, uh, to Ethiopia. Um, and as I reflected on it, uh, it, I used my agenda book. So we would have these kind of like calendar books that we would get every year, uh, as a way to coordinate efforts with the leaders and uh, within the church that we were working with there in Ethiopia. And so it was a great way to all be on the same, literally the same page, but then I would use that as a way to log what I had been doing, who was a part of that meeting, points that we had talked about, things like that. Um, so it's great to be able to reflect back on, uh, use, use as notes or even maybe use as ammunition for another conversation at some point. Um, but it helped me realize uh, my, my little maxim that I came up with, it was, survival is work, but survival isn't ministry. And, and so much of, so much of my life sometimes felt like survival in, in Ethiopia, making sure that, uh, literally like a Cobra, not bite somebody in my family or, you know, running to the grocery store in an international context sometimes meant going to four or five different grocery stores. So literally getting food, the survival piece took work, took, took effort. But that was not, that's not ministry. Yeah. That's just, that, and, and so finding that balance was really something that I was able to do by using that side of the journal, like you're sharing uh, with having a ministry journal that kept me on track with what mm -hmm. I was doing. So I'm grateful for you and, and that example that you, you shared with me years ago, because it's been something that uh, I used as well. <laughs> And and really, um, one aspect we really haven't talked about is in, in mission work. You know, we are um, you know, very often very isolated, um, and, and so how do you build in that kind of uh, con connection? Mm -hmm. And you know, uh, you know, some of the things we can learn from the Celts and the Celtic mm -hmm. way of doing things. One, and I mentioned earlier that it's not just saying prayers in the morning; it's prayers throughout the day, and they just integrated they lived in the world believed that you know uh, they were engaged in the world all the way. they had mm -hmm. prayers going throughout the day mm -hmm. but also in their practices they talk about having a soulmate i don't remember mm -hmm. the, the the celtic word mm -hmm. um and so having soulmate soul friends i guess you could say yeah, having a yeah. soul friend like tim ross has mm -hmm. been absolutely transformational for me mm -hmm. and, and he and i are still I would say peer mentors to where yeah. um, there. So 
having someone on your team, off your team, uh, someone that can be, um, you know, a mentor or a peer mentor, mm-hmm. uh, I think is really, really critical. So I've heard yeah. it said that there's two things alone. You There's two things in life you can't do alone. Mm-hmm. One is marriage and the other is be a Christian. And mm-hmm. And there have to be those ways we connect ourselves in meaningful relationships that can be transformative. And people that are going to tell the truth and love, one aspect mm-hmm. that, of the team that I think is, uh, I don't know if I really liked it, but I'm indebted to it. I had teammates that loved me enough to come and tell me things I didn't want to hear. Mm-hmm. Um, and so speaking the truth in love um, and, and being willing to hear truth spoken in love can also be transformative um, as we're trying to minister and work and glorify God and community. Yeah, man. I I love that, that quote. Yeah. Two things that you can't do alone, marriage and Christian, your Christian walk, your Christian faith. That's that's massive and definitely ties into everything that we're talking about uh, today. So then when it comes to the journaling piece, when do you literally, when do you do it? When do you do journaling? Is that a morning, midday, evening practice? When do you do your journaling? For me, it's early morning. And, and I think, you know, um, you know, I hear a lot of people, well, I'm not a morning person. Mm-hmm. That's cool. You know, mm-hmm. we'll find a time for that deliberate and intentional mm-hmm. time. Or, you know, I'm just kind of go with the flow, you know, I just kind of catch a little here, catch a little there, or that's not, not my personality. And to some degree, you know, what what one person does may not fit with what everyone does. And that's why, you know, I say you need to be deliberate, you need to be intentional, you need to set aside a time that's dedicated to this. That's appropriate for, for you. For me, it's the first thing in the morning. Okay. And sometimes I, I, I just can't wait, you know, I just think. You know, I just can't wait to spend that time of reflecting. Centering is a common word right now. Mm-hmm. I think it helps us focus. Mm-hmm. And it's not another mistake we make with our just, oh, I'm going to have my quiet time now. And then I forget that and go <laughs> go out with mm-hmm. my events of the day. It's a centering and a focusing and setting a stage for mm-hmm. the day, you know, asking to really be attentive and aware of God's mm-hmm. presence mm-hmm. and wanting to be available engaged and used yeah. by him for his glory and his purpose. Yeah. It really touches on the integration piece that you talked about. You talked about the importance of integrating the practices in your life, but then mm-hmm. even integrating God <laughs> into your life mm-hmm. uh, on a daily basis is when you can have that in the start of your day. So then, okay, we've mentioned scripture study. Uh, what, what does that look like? Cause I know this was a challenge for me. It probably was a challenge for you. It's like, okay, what do I study? What, what passage do I go to? And that's not just my lesson that I'm working through or my series of lessons that I'm working through, uh, with the pastors or lay leaders that I, I'm, I'm working with, or the college students that I'm meeting with on a regular basis. How did you figure that out? What, what was something that you used and tapped into? Well, I actually, worked through the Bible a book at a time. It took like 10 years um, mm-hmm. to, you know, through this, taking a small passage and reflecting. And I, I jumped from uh, Old Testament to New Testament. Um, and, and again, I've heard people say that, you know, it, it's helpful to read a proverb a day and a psalm a day. And I think there's something to that. But mm-hmm. I I just started and uh, and worked my my way through and then just graduate, not in a hurry. There's no rush. Remember, the goal isn't to get through the scriptures, it's to get the scriptures through us. Um, 
and linked with that is an interpretive principle that I think is key is a lot of times we, we approach the scripture as information. In fact, we have information-based discipleship mm-hmm. when really what we're looking for is information for transformation and obedience-based discipleship. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, what does God want us to learn and obey from, from this in a transformative way? And, and so wasn't in any hurry. We picked books um, going back and forth. And sometimes if I was going through a particular uh, uh, you know, stage or journey, I would pick a book that, mm-hmm. that I thought would be helpful. Uh, but that's what I did. And how and, and small the, of a chunk are we talking? Like five verses at a time? Or would you kind of use the headers uh, that are uh, already <laughs> provided in our Bibles? Uh, and kind of follow those? It depends. Uh, like right now, I'm working through First Peter. And man, that is loaded. I mean, you just read, it is just so loaded. It may be two verses um, because it, it, there's just so much in there. But then sometimes when you get to the, the Old Testament, you know, you don't want to skim through some of those and just say, oh, there's nothing for me here. Because sometimes it's amazing what God will pull out of some passages where you're ah, just going to skip through, mm-hmm. you know, this, you know, Deuteronomy, you know. Uh, Mm-hmm. Uh, but then, you know, taking longer passages that are more narrative, you know, sometimes mm-hmm. you do a whole chapter, uh, but some of those that are really loaded and rich, um, uh, you know, to, to really make sure you give it, give it more time and attention yeah. and thinking through things. For me, probably getting into my second uh, term of service uh, in Ethiopia, I got to a point where I I needed to figure out a way to to feed myself that maybe was a little bit more directed, um, and so I, I leaned more into the liturgy um, and was given a book by Tim Ross, actually of all people. Again, <laughs> we're dropping Tim's name like all over the place here, but uh, the Minister's Prayer Guide, mm-hmm. uh, and so it had written prayers already uh, out, and then also had readings for every day. Uh, mm-hmm. that I could tap into and they were both from the new Testament and the, the old Testament mm-hmm. that has continued to be instrumental for me now going on almost probably 10 years for my daily devotions. Um, and so it's interesting to hear that you, you know, you've been very systematic and, and working through the Bible and just sticking with a passage. Uh, and so I guess maybe for folks who are listening, there's also other ways to approach it. Like, Tapping into the, the liturgy uh, is yeah. something that helps too. It, it's good that you mentioned that because when I had my, you know, at, uh, you know, you can't lead where you've never been uh-huh. experience. Uh, my my time in God's Word was just one aspect of that. The other is I took on what I called literary mentors: um, uh, Eugene Peterson, Phil Yancey, mm-hmm. uh, E.W. Tozer, people like that. And then I, even to this day. Uh, in addition to my own engagement with God's word, um, I have other other resources. I love my utmost for his highest. Mm-hmm. Um, the the Bailey's Diary of Private Prayer, I've heard mm-hmm. that's been re, republished. And uh, oh. it's a fantastic, because, you know, sometimes I'll pray on my own, but sometimes these liturgies and these, these written prayers prime the pump in ways that I just feel like I'm not capable of. And, mm-hmm. and then they... They, they can start a flow that I wouldn't really be able to do. There's a, there's another book called Venite, which is about uh, prayers as well. Guide mm-hmm. for Prayer for Ministers, like you mentioned. 
Mm-hmm. And, and what I like to do with those, I like to use them as a resource. But I just really think there's something about engaging the Word of God. So if it is the ministers for guide, uh, um, that that guide for ministers, mm-hmm. you know, maybe then taking a passage from that and, and maybe unpacking it a little bit yes. more and thinking. I think um, the way I look at it is, is I need to be I need to be engaging the raw material of God's Word. Mm-hmm. But then it's also good for what I uh, I call to have a literary mentor where. I am also engaging pre-digested material, I guess, you know, <laughs> where, some baby where, food. <laughs> yeah, where Philip Yancey has worked through it and has presented, Eugene Peterson has worked through it and presented it in a certain way. So, so that there's a little bit of, um, yeah, I'm going to try to learn on my own from the Holy Spirit, but I'm also going to learn from other, mm-hmm. others who are on the same journey with me, both literary and you know my the soul friends that I no, have. Your your literary mentors. Would you read a chunk of a book in the morning as a part of your morning devotional? Is that is that what you also do? So it'd be like journaling, journal slash prayer, and then stepping into then you know 10, 20 minutes of Bible study, Bible reading, devotional reading. That you're also journaling in the back backside of your journal, and then wrapping up your time with reading from one of these books is that is that how you would approach it well it depends on the book if it's like utmost for his highest or tozer has a book with a daily reading uh and i think there's even one by yancey and others so if it was kind of a daily reading thing that Mm -hmm. would take place in the morning otherwise i just made sure that um, i was reading those books that would feed me Mm -hmm. and what i did for a while was monday through friday I, i i keep my my day, you know, whatever I do on a daily basis, Monday through Friday, and also have a prayer journal that I keep as well. Uh, for example, for all the missionaries in the fields that I work with, I've got mm-hmm. their prayer card in my prayer journal, and on different days I pray for them. Mm-hmm. You know, Monday I pray for certain fields and all that. Um, but then on on Saturday morning, you, for for a season, I don't do this as much anymore. First thing when I got up, I would have one of these literary mentors that I'd be reading, and mm-hmm. even if it was just fifteen minutes to an hour, um, I would be be reading that. Um, so um, that that's what I did. Yeah. But, um, there's of course is a wide variety. I think just an attentiveness to. Um, what am I doing to really connect me to a growing understanding of who God is, his work mm-hmm. in the world, of who mm-hmm. he's created to me to be and how I can be caught up in, in that, caught up in yeah. his purpose and what he wants for, um, for the world. Mm-hmm. I know I've been guilty of thinking that I don't have time for the, li- the literary mentors uh, at, at different points, though I absolutely love each of the people that you have mentioned as authors and they've been instrumental in my own life of faith. Um, but you know, being a dad, having multiple kids, wanting to help out with family and then also balance out time for ministry, like actually doing your job. It feels like, man, I just don't have the time and the space to throw one other Mm -hmm. thing into it. Uh, and so what I do or have been doing for some time is literally setting a timer on my phone of just 10 minutes mm-hmm. and have that 10 minute chunk where I actually read uh, from one of these literary mentors, like you mentioned, Eugene Peterson, or like the book mm-hmm. I mentioned, Justin Early, because 
I think in my mind, I don't have time for it, but I've got 10 minutes. And if I set a timer and stick to that 10 minutes, I find that I actually work through those materials and in fed, like you said, it like sets me on a different mm -hmm. mindset uh, at, at some point in the day, even if it's during my lunch hour or something like that. And so that's been a tactical way that I've been able to step into those uh, moments of reading books that I know I should be reading and want to read, but yeah. maybe don't make time for if I don't like set a timer and make it happen. Yeah, a couple of things on that is um, sometimes we just make a shrine out of our quiet. Oh, if I don't have it, you know, blah, blah, blah. And it's not the purpose is some, you know, thing that we do to earn God's favor or whatever. You know, it's it's something we do to connect with the God that loves us. Um, and it's, it's interesting to hear you say what, what you just said in that Eugene Peterson found that he didn't have time for reading and for Sabbath. And he said, you know, if someone calls me and says, I want an appointment at a certain time, he said, I write it on the calendar and I respect that. Mm -hmm. So he started writing on his calendar. Boom, I'm going to spend this time reading. Mm -hmm. I'm going to spend this time in Sabbath. And so actually structuring it very much, um, like yeah. you said. Uh, and then I, they're also in the rhythm of life, like, um, you know, when there's a lot of young kids around the house, sometimes it takes a lot of time, uh, you know, and, you know, you it's hard to carve out, you know, and, and so on the one hand, yeah, degree of flexibility. Absolutely. You know, it's not something that if we, if we don't do it, suddenly we're condemned, you know, yeah. but at the same point in time, uh, even in the midst of very, a lot of busyness, we find times to structure other things in. So mm -hmm. make time you structure uh, something in and, um, and then again, um, I heard someone put it this way. What do we do with our in-between times? What do you do with the in-between the time you get in your car and you get mm -hmm. to work and mm -hmm. in-between the time that you, you know, go to the Bureau of Motor Vehicles and then you're, you know, you can use those in-between times, mm -hmm. uh, to really, you know, sanctify them. And, and in the days of, um, smartphones, we have a free second. What do we do? Boom. We're, we're on our smartphone. Right. What if that was redirected toward, uh, praying for those around you toward mm -hmm. asking God to give you awareness and attentiveness mm -hmm. for what's going on around you. Yeah. And so we can use those in between times as well to um, kind of realize that it's God's world and we live in it. If we keep our eyes open, mm -hmm. you know, he's there and he, he, he can work through us. Yeah. We've already touched on it, but the intentional integration, I think is like, a two word combo that I think really fits well in, in thinking through that that aspect of even yeah, feeding it into your day uh, as well so then okay you mentioned early on in our conversation fasting uh, are there some other spiritual disciplines you'd want to highlight that have been formative for you or that have been formative for our missionaries uh, that you'd maybe even challenge some of our folks to, to look into and explore? Mm -hmm. um, you know, I've, I've uh, done fasting sporadically and I know some that have done extensive fasting, including 40 day fast. And wow. they, find, they find that very, very formative. Um, and, and to me, the, the key thing about fasting for me as a reminder is just it, Fasting alone, I think just doing without food, you know, it's just doing without food. But mm -hmm. 
you know, every time I kind of feel like, hey, I, I'd like to, I, I'd like to go grab an energy bar. I'm kind of hungry. Yeah. Is to remind myself uh, of um, uh, how much I need to hunger for God's presence. You know, mm-hmm. as a deer pants for the water, so I long mm-hmm. for you. Mm-hmm. And it's just a reminder that it's it's easy for me to overlook my spiritual hunger mm-hmm. um, and just be kind of get dulled to it. Yeah. And a reminder that, that that's really key. Um, so has fasting always been a, a uh, resistance uh, towards food? Is that what you've done or have you done other types no. of fasts? Yeah. Other things too. And really I would say the primary focus that I've had is just on, you know, how can I, structure a time of engaging god word god's word in prayer and i have done fasting there's there's others that have really done it a lot more but uh, it can be fasting from certain things uh it can be media it can be uh just a particular food mm-hmm. um so um th- there's a variety of ways to do it um, but I, I think just doing without something, I, and I heard something the other day, I think it's really important as we go throughout the day, are there things that we say no to for mm. ourselves? And I think sometimes we just need to deliberately say no to things for ourselves, yeah. um, so that we won't be a city without walls, that, mm. that we have self-discipline to say, no, I'm going to say no to that. Yeah. Um, and they, we could say no to good things. In fact, Oswald Chambers says the good is the enemy of the best. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times we need to say no to the good if we really want the best, if we mm-hmm. want to be our, you know, our utmost mm-hmm. for his highest. Yeah. So learning to say no. Yeah. Well, even thinking like you said about hungering for God um, and, and, and saying no to something to just redirect our focus. One practice that Aaron and I had for about six or seven years uh, in Yomp where we had started a brand new work uh, for CMF and for the Christos on the net church uh, where there was no church where the gospel had not been preached. Uh, We had a hunger to see that ministry be established, a hunger to see God's uh, church be established in that place. So uh, in that, in that vein, we could, we physically could not go without food for 30 days. One, I just can't do that period, <laughs> but, mm-hmm. but definitely in our context, uh, every calorie counts. Uh, but we did take Monday lunches. Uh, Aaron and I wouldn't eat the kids. Obviously we didn't put them through <laughs> fasting practices, uh, but we would go without a meal on Monday lunches with that hunger and making that our prayer, that hunger to see his church be established mm-hmm. in that place. And yeah. so we, that, that was one way. Yeah. Right. And, and so I think you're, you're really touching on something. Yeah. The purposeful aspect of fasting that it's not just doing without food, but that it's, it's re- reinforcing that, that mindset and that prayer that this is a hunger for seeing God uh, mm-hmm. work in this place or in your life uh, in a certain way. What were some other uh, disciplines that you'd want to highlight? Uh, some that I'm not very good at, but I really have to force myself. You know, I've heard, you know, there's a, um, the discipline of slowing. The people mm-hmm. that know me. As you do a wheelie. Well. Yeah, as you do a wheelie on a motorcycle past them. Yeah, they probably realize, oh, he doesn't sit yeah. still very well. Um, yeah, so... Um, but but intentionally slowing um and i've heard things like intentionally take the slow lane on the way to work 
intentionally just saying, wait a minute. And, and I do it sometimes and I need it because I, I'm, and sometimes God forces slowing. Like right now I'm, I'm grounded. I can't go anywhere because of some, some health issues and it's forced mm-hmm. me to slow. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, God, I've got some things that I can learn, mm-hmm. you know, as I'm slowing down during the season. And, yeah. uh, and I, I'm serious about this next one. I think there's some things that can be, therapeutic spiritual practices that if we just think about them, I'm a moto nut, you know, you mm-hmm. mentioned that I mm-hmm. love to ride off road, love to ride on the street. Mm-hmm. And for me, that, that that's a spiritual practice. Things I think mm. about, pray about, uh, yeah. it, um, it, it, sometimes it's really cathartic and cleaning up my mind and, yeah. and, and working through things. And for some, it may be hiking, maybe cooking and maybe a number yeah. of things. Uh, but even things that we enjoy doing can be cathartic spiritual mm-hmm. practices. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, if, God's if placed them in God's placed them in our life to be enjoyed and ultimately to point us back to Him. Uh, yeah, in, in some way. And so I yeah. agree with you. Yeah, for me, uh, fitness, exercise, man, I can not just not just physically tell I haven't done it, but like even emotionally and spiritually. It's like, man, when I can when I can do that and build that into the natural rhythm of my mm-hmm. daily and weekly schedule, it helps me spiritually feel like I'm ready uh, for the things that I, I need to tackle mm-hmm. for the day or for the week, and and just sets my mind and heart in, in a a more concentrated uh, direction. I feel like, yeah, that that's excellent. That's a good yeah. remi- good reminder. Well, for our folks out on the front lines, I think, you know, we, we come from a, a really Western Enlightenment context of where sometimes we really undermine the reality of, of what's going on spiritual, the spiritual warfare. And, um, you know, when we're out on the front lines, you know, whether you're a, a global scoper really trying to engage with the university student in a meaningful way, meaningful, welcoming relationship, or, you know, out in a rural context, engaging, you know, at, you know, uh, how do I contextualize the gospel into mm-hmm. this you know, context? Um, you know, the enemy doesn't like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I heard of a, a mission leader that went and interviewed, a, you know, a bunch of different missionaries on their, on their field. And he said, it's no wonder the enemy's eating their lunch because most people, the extent of their spiritual walk is a, a page out of a daily bread. Um, mm-hmm. And, and I think uh, our enemy uh, specializes in siege warfare. In mm-hmm. siege warfare, you just cut off the supply line and eventually it dries up. And so if, if our supply line of, uh, you know, um, engaging in, the, in practicing the presence of God and getting into his word of mm-hmm. those reminders of who we are in Christ, those are critical. Just continue to remind yourself of who you are in Christ you know, then he can basically render us ineffective in what we're called to do. And so mm-hmm. uh, just keep those those um, lines open. And, and again, the, the other thing is the key is how we go about it. Obedience is the key. You know, disciple making movement stuff is absolutely fascinating. I love it. Mm-hmm. I love the discovery Bible study. And I love what we see happening in the world. But one of the things they say, it's better to obey 10 things than to know 10,000 things. Mm-hmm. So it's not how much information can you gather is what God teaching you. And are you really developing an attitude of surrender and, and being obedient um, and aligning yourself with God's purpose 
um, and, and really fulfilling what he's created you to be. Um, so those are just some reminders that I think are really critical and critical for me now. I mean, sometimes yeah. I, I just look, oh my goodness, David. Um, and another reminder is never be perfect. Never yeah. be hung up on yourself. You know, I like, oh, David, when are you going to learn? I think, well, it may be a while. I may never learn, but guess what? I serve a big God and he reminds me all the time. He's at work. He's going to do stuff through me. And uh, I can't wait to see, you know, what it is. You know, sometimes I look back and go, wow, how did that happen? Um, and, and I just think it's fascinating what, what, what Paul says in Ephesians is that God in his multivaried wisdom, in his manifold wisdom, in his awesome wisdom, has said that through the church, he's going to make his multi-wisdom known. That's through us, through you, mm. through me. And I go, mm-hmm. you know, God, if I was in control, I would choose some other way because if you looked around, you know, mm-hmm. we're, we're not all that great. But I think God chooses that because when we, when we look at ourselves and we look at others, we think, how could this happen? But we, when we look at what happens, it brings us back to God saying, mm-hmm. we serve an amazing God and he works through us. Um, but it doesn't absolve me then from the responsibility of staying connected of seeking to grow, of seeking to be transformed in the likeness of Christ, of seeking to glorify him. Because I think as we do that, it just opens up more and more spacious ways that he can use us, you know, mm. to bring glory to his name. That's what it's all about. You know, somebody said, our whole job is recruiting for a choir because one day we're, we're going to be before God, everybody's singing, every language, tribe, tongue, and nation. Mm. And uh, just to get out there and recruit as many people we can to be singing. Mm. singing 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 their song in the choir yeah i love that man well i can't think of someone that does a better job of recruiting people to join the choir than you david and i'm grateful for you uh your leadership uh for the way that you have mentored me uh over the decades now uh, of ministry and of knowing each other i'm grateful for your ministry in kenya as well as your ministry to cmf CMF missionaries. So thank you for this time. And uh, I look forward to other opportunities here in the near future uh, to do this podcast together with you. Do some more episodes. Thanks, Jake. And thanks for doing these. Uh, I think you do a great job with them. Plus, um, just a good way to connect, connect to and learn from the broader CMF family. Um, And I, I think that's really awesome. All right. Thank you, brother. God bless you.